This is the Muscles and Management Podcast, where we build your body and your business. Talking all things training, sports performance, and business for athletes and aspiring coaches to enhance your training and better your career. Muscles and Management is brought to you by Challenger Strength with your host, Jerry DeFilippo. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 209 of Muscles and Management Podcast. Back at it this week. Uh, I think I avoided any major social media drama uh, this time. <laughs> and last week, I spoke about um, some of the riffs that I got in with uh, some members of the Eastern Illinois baseball program, and which I wasn't trying to do. Um, Mike, did you, so obviously like, I know you know about it cause you do the, the notes for the show and all that yep. kind of stuff, but like, did you see any of it when it was going on or like, did yeah. you, like laughing about it? Like what was your, <laughs> I did, I did. I, as in real time, I was seeing it and I was, um, well, I was excited to talk about it and then it ended up not working out for us to do it together. So I was a little bit bummed, but yeah, I kind of saw the fire flying in the moment. Yeah. I, it was funny. I got like full on DMS from not only the assistant coach, but the actual head coach reached out yeah. to me, which is pretty crazy to me. Like, I don't really think that's something I've seen many Division One head coaches do because they think a lot of them are kind of just like above, try to be above it and not get involved. And I don't say above it in the sense of like this was some like BS type of back and forth. Like, I, all I all I literally said was it was a waste of time. Like, I don't really think to me bashing is like these coaches are idiots. Don't do this. Like, don't go to this program. Like, that's bashing. Um, and I, I would never do that because I know with my platform, it's not the right thing to do. And I also try to have respect for people in sports. Like I, I would never present myself that way as a professional. So it kind of annoyed me when they kept on using the word bash. Cause like mm-hmm. they DM me, they were like, there's better ways to use your platform than to bash us. I don't think doing what we did deserves to be bashed. I'm like, I don't know where you guys like got so soft thinking that like me literally putting one sentence up saying this is a waste of time. Maybe it's for teamwork or toughness question mark is bashing. Um, I think they ran with the bashing part because like hundreds of people like the tweet. And if like a lot of people are jumping on top of it, maybe it seems like that. Sure. But like you tell me, like, and you could be honest with me, like if you disagree, but do you think that's bashing? No, I mean, <clears throat> first of all, it's not like I mean, if they know your channel or they follow you, like the way you talk, it's like like the way you talk, the way you you know, you're entertaining on Twitter, like you're you're speaking in a way that's entertaining for the audience and it used to You've said way worse things than that. That's yeah, I, sure. I try not to anymore. Like I was way mm. more off the cuff and like reckless, like, you know, 20,000 followers ago. Like I didn't give a shit. Like I just. It, it's strange thing. to me that like the head coach took time out of his, what I would hope and imagine is a pretty busy schedule to like. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, the defense, it, but... How defensive everybody got was pretty, pretty telling to me. And, and that was the honestly, like some of the feedback that I got, and I won't mention any name because I don't want anyone to know like who's talking to me about these things. Cause like, you know, that's not fair to those people, but right. like, some of, like some big time people in baseball, um, reached out about me. Like I, I won't again, say any names, but, um, apparently <laughs> I came up in this, so that day, this pretty prominent baseball training company, uh, was having their like all hands on deck meeting that they have, or like every, every person who trains people there and works there and, and does mm-hmm. everything, um, was having their meeting. And apparently I came up, <laughs> um and that comes from like the boss of the place was like laughing i dm'd him and i was like um this is really funny i don't know if you've seen this haha like this is crazy 
And he was like, oh my, he was like, ha ha ha, you got, you just came up in our, in our um, organizational meeting because um, we were laughing about it and like saying you were probably getting a bunch of shit from uh, the coaches. And my biggest thing was like, if you have all this time to like to send me these paragraphs via DM, like you definitely have more time to like, you know, put in the, um, put in the original post that, you know, this was just like a once a year thing for team building. I don't, I still don't agree with it, but like, at least I, you know, would have more contacts. Like people need to understand that like that Eastern Illinois baseball account has 14,000 followers. And I'm sure a lot of them are like high school coaches and parents and whatever. And like, if that tweet doesn't have context and does anything to further justify to those people that it's okay to have your athletes run two miles and even maybe on a more routine basis than just once a year, like that's my problem. And like, that's where I see the issue with it. And that's where I try to step in and, you know, offer that, you know, reminder to, to my followers that are a lot of the same people that, Hey, this isn't really ideal. And you probably shouldn't do this. And like, that's what I was trying to explain to these coaches was like, that's what I'm here to do. And if like your tweet doesn't have context, it's not my fault. If it's on an open forum, it's totally, you know, free game to be commented on. Like, you know, don't tell me, Oh, you weren't tagged. So we weren't asking for your opinion. That's not how Twitter works, buddy. Um, so like, it was just, it was funny to me. And they, I think they were trying to clearly guilt me into hoping I would either delete it or go back on what I said. And I was like, you're not bullying me. Like, I know you're a division one head coach and you think that everyone like, you know, worships the ground you walk on. And I'm sure a lot of the impressionable 19, 20 and 20 year old, one year old athletes you work with might do that, but you're not getting that around here. So um, anyway, I don't want to waste too much time on that. Um, Was there anything in particular? I don't think there's been any crazy drama in terms of like any TikToks I've posted um i mean just i'm gonna scan real quick so yeah I- just check i i looked i haven't really seen much you have this week you've had quite a few things that have gotten a ton of um kind of love to be honest but nothing yeah really no bad. it's been it's been cool like a couple just tweets that were like basic training stuff that i'm doing with some of our yep. athletes in here have gotten like I, I put the speed day up two days ago and it legitimately got a thousand likes on twitter and it was just six exercises about like people like seeing organized and like you know good quality work and they also want to see the thought process or like how you're struggling so that's pretty cool and then i also i'm pretty sure like a basic post yesterday about just like how we run our stations for our our large team um strength training got like 600 likes um so that's that's really refreshing and pretty cool to see um that stuff like that is really um you know taking off i i and i go i go through this i go through weeks where i'm on like little hot streaks and then i go through weeks where i feel like you know no matter what i say no one gives a shit no one's gonna really care uh, it's got the, uh, the ebbs and flows, but yeah, I just look, there's nothing on TikTok um, that I would say directly is like, you know, being argued about or anything. A lot of my posts the last couple of weeks have just been mostly like, try this workout, do this. Um, the only thing I got into when it came from um, something related to a pro athlete was just the Saquon stuff. Mm-hmm. We're just talking about like, you know, his, um, you know, great game one and how I talked about in late August that I, you know, really thought he would have a great year just because I liked his rehab and he's, you know, obviously a remarkable athlete and that a lot of his injury issues were um, luck based. Like he tore his ACL. That's one thing, but like he comes back from that last year and um, he's starting to slowly ramp up and do better and do better. And then he rolls his ankle on some like really bad luck, just like kind of was like, you know, hopping back across the field after a play was about to end and a guy had his foot there. And he just rolled his ankle by stepping on the guy's foot. Like you just, that's not his fault. Um, Like that's, that's not like, Oh, he's injury prone. Like literally he says, I want someone put their foot down and he stepped on it. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, you know, that, that's that. Um, yeah. So, all right, give me, let's, I gave you some questions, but let's get to a few tweets first and then we'll, we'll go from there. Sure. So, um, just talk a little bit about the <clears throat> tweet with the video you have feeling beat up after a game or a long week, try this the next day, lower intensity aerobic recovery circuit. The reason I did this is because I just think back to some of the questions you we've had on the pod. And a lot of people ask about, I'm, I remember like two weeks in a row, there was a guy asking about like day after football games, like what he should do with his team. And so this reminded me of that. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, so did you, I'm sorry, just go, go through that again. I want to make sure I get everything. Yeah. Well, I'll read through them. So yeah. um, SL, RDL into hip gate, fire hydrant, dynamic. Uh, oh, back- dude, this one, I forgot about this one. Yeah. This, went, this went crazy. Speaking of tweets that were like big this week. Yeah, two hundred seven retweets and twenty three hundred likes. I don't know where that I don't know where that came from. It's really cool and all, but like <laughs> I don't know if it's how you frame it sometimes, like what you lead in with. I, I really I don't know, but really cool nonetheless. Uh, yeah. So yeah, so go go ahead and be, just name the exercises, and I'll kind of talk through it. Yep. So the it's the RDL and the hip gate, fire hydrant, dynamic black burn, uh, side lunge with iso hold, banded abductor stretch, and thread the needle. And you just say four rounds, thirty on, thirty off. Yeah. Um, so essentially, you know, this is just, again, my, my junior hockey team, my highest level junior hockey team is back. Um, this is the closest, I guess you would say I get to like being like, if you were to think about like a college strength coach, like this is kind Mm -hmm. of my role with them. So like, obviously I have the private business and everything we do at challenger, but, uh, I'm also the strength coach for this team that is conveniently in the, or plays and practices out of the rink in which our facility is located. That's kind of how the whole thing got set up. Um, so that is the one team that I act as like the day-to-day strength coach for, for like nine months out of the year while they're, they're in season. Um, so basically from like September through like April, if we go to the championship and not to brag too much, but we do that quite often, um, where we've won back-to-back titles, uh, last year and the year before, um, I got some cool rings for those. So that was fun. Um, and they've won seven championships since 2004. So seven championships in 18 years. Um, So like a little better than one every three years and then nine regular season titles. So like, you know, pretty cool to be part of like what is could essentially be known as like the New England Patriots or Alabama of uh, junior hockey. Um, (laughs) So these are like 18, 19 and 20 year olds. And we have a pretty rigorous schedule. Um, They're on the ice like five to six days a week. Um, you know, they're playing 50 games over the course of that eight-month regular season, if not seven months. It might be even a little shorter than that. Um, so they're playing a few games a weekend. You know, some of their practice days during the week, they have two sessions. So they might go out and do, like, power skating, come off for a little bit and go back on and do a practice before they come up to me. Um, then they might do, you know, a skill day the next day and then practice after. And then a couple of the other days of the week are just, you know, one practice. So they're they're getting a lot of ice exposures. Um, and this will be my seventh year with them. And I really, you know, confidently can say that like the formula we have developed for how we kind of, you know, take them throughout a year and, you know, mitigate injuries and reduce injuries. Like we had every single player on our roster healthy to play the championship, uh, the championship three game series last year, which was like, you know, pretty, I'm pretty proud of that because obviously you want to get them stronger and faster, but like keeping kids healthy in like the absolute gauntlet of a season that they have here is um, hard to do. And like, I put a lot of pride and, and take a lot of, um, put a lot of value into that. So what you saw basically was, um, what I've developed as our quote unquote mobility slash recovery day, 
I'll call it either one more so based on what the goal is. And I know that seems trivial, but like it does make a difference when you're telling the athlete just because it gives them a more of a mindset. So what we do is I break the teams into six groups and we do like a clockwise rotation. So you do one exercise and, and the exercise that were listed on that tweet for 30 seconds, you rest for 30 seconds, you rotate, and then you do the next one and you keep cycling through for four rounds. And what's really good about it is it puts them in like a low intensity, 30 on 30 off, like get the heart rate up slightly um, more for like the whole movement and blood flow and like aerobic recovery type of standpoint. And then obviously it's checking off the box of um, mobility and, and improving movement quality. So we're trying to target about three exercises for the upper body and three for the lower or sometimes four for the lower and two for the upper, depending. Um, so you could see in that tweet i talked about the single leg rdl and the hip gate so you're getting the hamstring into some hip rotation the fire hydrant obviously is external hip rotation uh we do a lot of thread the needle and t-spine rotation type stuff for the upper back and shoulders and between the scaps um obviously with the hockey players now this could change based on the athletes but i honestly like adductor work for athletes too because i feel like they're neglected uh, or for for other athletes other than hockey because i feel like they're pretty neglected um, so we'll do like the side lunge ISO hold to get a good stretch on that. Um, but also kind of put, put a little dumbbell load on there to get some tension. Um, the band stretch on the wall is a favorite for the athletes here in terms of just opening up everything in terms of the groin. And then, uh, you know, the basic black burn for, you know, some shoulder and upper back type stuff. Um, and the athletes love it. it, it they're training with me three days a week. We have one day that's speed based, which I posted one day that's strength based, which I posted yesterday. And then we have this day that we're talking about right now and how I use it depends on what our schedule is. So if we had a really rough weekend and we played on a Sunday, we're going to come back and Monday training day is going to be the, the recovery day that we're talking about. Right. Um, if we didn't play on a Sunday, we're going to start Monday with speed. And then we'll probably do this recovery day on a Thursday to get a good stretch in and get ready and feeling good for the weekend because we just had a rough week of practice. Um, so it really depends on what our schedule is, but like, the athletes love it. It gets them doing something that's going to make them feel better. Um, it doesn't drain them too much. And they honestly come away with it with a really good feeling of like, I feel refreshed and I feel rested, um, which is pretty awesome. So I just wanted to share that, like them being back this week. Um, they had their first week of training camp last week and, you know, they were pretty beat up from the long week of what they had. So that was Saturday and we had just done a full week of practice and, and, testing for lifting and then they did their conditioning test on the ice on saturday so um we had that scheduled and i was like all right like this is going to be a good day to kind of walk them through how to do it um and i would just emphasize for all the athletes like go slow and be really deliberate um i tell them if they're doing something in that 30 seconds um you know anywhere between six to ten reps for each of those exercises is a good place to start because in, within 30 seconds you'll get about maybe three to four seconds per rep which ensures you're going slow enough. So that's really, you know, the, the breakdown on that. And you can change the exercises to give some variability if there's other ones you like, but those are kind of the way I target the muscles, if that makes sense. Awesome. Yeah, that's great stuff. That makes sense. Yes. Because I, I, it, I think that's the biggest thing I try to stress with people is how it like rotates and flexes. Um, but I, I just, it's been a good formula for us and, um, yeah. it's something that apparently people like to see and it's, you know, something that I've obviously you get feed, you just try to take the feedback you get from how you get interaction on certain things. And that seems to be something that always gets like a lot of love. So, um, mm -hmm. all right. Yeah. Uh, what do you got for me next? 
So I just have kind of a more fun one. Um, the one you have about pitchers. So stop telling pitchers. Bench pressing will hurt them. Training overload is bad for them. They need to run after they pitch to flush out lactic acid. Um, to only lift in high rep ranges to avoid bulk. They need more cardio to go deeper in games. It's 2022, not 1981. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and, and you know, for, for overarching themes for all athletes, this is just more of like a common reminder to like, you know, if you're hearing dated things, it's probably not the person you want to be listening to. Um, I always pick on pitchers because like there's so many fun, you know, old quips and dated things that like they're still told. Um, and mm-hmm. you, heard, you heard the list that you just gave. Um, but I guess like, you know, it's a reminder of like, hey, those things for pitchers aren't ideal. You know, um, let's think differently. And then also on top of that, it's like, OK, well, you know, for all sports in general, like, you know, there are things that just have been talked about for years. Like we really need to make sure that we're not, you know, becoming susceptible to bad information just because it's tradition and habit. Um, so I'm just, I'm always trying to implore people to remember that and kind of like, you know, make sure that they're, they're pushing back on some things and not just accepting them because they've been done forever. Because obviously there've been some things that have been done forever that are just BS. Like, you know, for example, thinking you're going to flush out lactic acid when you run, when, you know, there's no proof that like it, that there's any type of relation to soreness from that. Right. Um, or actually thinking that like more intense activity is going to help flush out what you've built up from previous tense acti- uh, intense activity. So it's just kind of counterintuitive across the board. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I, that's all I got on that. I mean, I think you get a kick out of it. I know you laugh when you hear me preach about that kind of shit. Cause it's funny. There was, there was one response that I really laughed at because it reminded me of when I was playing baseball in college. He said, uh, how else will you eat up time for your pitchers after they do their work yeah. in an hour and a half and it's a four-hour practice? And because we'd always say, like, when we were done before everybody, it seemed like they were just finding stuff for us to do that wasn't. Oh, it's so, it's, it's so bad. <laughs> and I'm just like, guys, there are so many other productive things. Yeah. Like, bro, put pitchers in, like, an area to do mental training. Right. Like, have them sit there and discuss, like, you know, different counts. Like, I don't know. Like, literally, like, like put them out there and be like, okay – hypothetical count you know uh whatever batter is done this against you all game how are we attacking this guy mm-hmm. uh let them do power shagging to work on conditioning um have them sit there and do some forearm work um you know have them do mobility like there's just so like mobility type training like there's so many things watch mechanics film on their mechanics like there's so many better things just to have them run, but like it's easier sometimes. Hey, go run because you need, you know, something to do because the position players have another hour left and you have nothing else to do because you've thrown twice this week and that's about all we have. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, it, it's spot on that, that sometimes, unfortunately, it's just a matter of like busy work. For sure. uh, let's do one more. Cause I know there was definitely three or four questions I had to answer. Do you want to talk about the, uh, uh, the dynamic day with the hitman? Yeah. The- yeah. Yeah. Sure. That one did really well as well. So um, it's just a video. It's a 55 minute, um, you know, session with these guys. And I'll read off everything. Uh, extensive pogos, intensive pogos, skater jump, sled push sprint, sprint, stops, banded verts, banded broads, max verts, max broads. And then the ending was a four station, kettlebell swing, side lunge, Copenhagen plank and dumbbell bench. Yeah. So... You know, I really, um, I really have started to pride myself on understanding that a lot of people that follow me are coaching large teams and groups. So if there's like any insight I can share on how I arrange things or like 
what I've learned going on to my seventh season of doing it. Like I want to do it. Um, and I also just, I have a lot of fun. Like these guys are machines. They're 18, 19, 20 year old high level hockey players. Like almost all, every one of these guys will play college hockey. Um, you know, probably anywhere from 10 to 12 of them will play division one. Uh, like this is tier two junior hockey. There's only one hockey league that's higher than us in juniors. And it's the USHL, which is literally like, you know, phenoms right right so you know people have to understand that like you know these guys are are very skilled and it's you know really fun and easy to put them through stuff now what i'm also trying to get through to everybody is like i know we don't have two hours all the time to get athletes you know done through their stuff so i've been trying to emphasize that like we're getting through these training sessions with 30 guys in 50 to 55 minutes but they're all getting enough reps like it's not 50 to 55 minutes where they're getting like one set of something done yeah. So um, with this particular workout, what we're trying to do is, and it, this kind of goes along the lines of a lot of what I talk about with the ordering of how we do things. So we're starting out with extensive plyos, just kind of prep. Um, you know, we're going barefoot on all the extensive and intensive plyos. And I've been talking a lot of recently about the importance of doing that for the feet and ankles, and toes and everything. So we're doing that. Um, you know, then we're going to intensive plyometrics. So we're maximizing height. We're minimizing ground contact. You know, it's a really good ramp up, but it's also serves as a way to build um, resiliency and stiffness in the tendons and um, ligaments and just the legs overall. Um, from there, we're moving towards doing uh, speed-based work. So after all our basic prep uh, pogo jumps and things like that are done, we are moving towards um, loaded base sprinting. So I like to start with the loaded base sled push or sprint to kind of use as a potentiation for the unloaded stuff to follow. So you put that heavier load on, like we're doing um, sled pushes and they're strong, pretty strong athletes that are like anywhere between, you know, 170 and 210 pounds. So they're pretty strong. Um, So we'll do, you know, anywhere between two to 300 pounds on the sled. I did get a comment on one of my, I think it was TikTok when I posted it saying like, aren't you worried that that sled's too heavy? It's going to interfere with top velocity. And like, just makes me laugh. Like the kids are pushing the sled 10 yards and they're super like angled. Like, I don't know how we think that's working on top velocity and not acceleration. Yeah. Um, like heavier loaded sprints are great for acceleration. So it's just funny to me that people don't understand that still. Um, so from there we go through that. Um, and I basically set it up where there's, you know, let's say 28 to 30 athletes, two groups, uh, four groups, uh, two on each end of the turf. And they just continue to pass the sled back and forth to each other. And the beauty of it is there's enough of them where if they just keep going like that at full speed, they're going to get enough rest. Mm -hmm. From there, we go back to regular sprints. I do two to three guys at a time and they race and they go off my go. It just ensures we're going max speed, which is, you know, obviously huge. So we, you know, capitalize on the competition. Um, From there, we'll do some decel work. We're just getting started out. So it was a basic kind of five to 10 yard stop on my uh, audible cue and we'll start to add more things into that as we go along i did a lot of that last year and people like that so you know they'll be, you'll be seeing more of that coming up um after that it's transitioned to our jump training so again i follow the same principles of loaded before unloaded so i set up three to four stations of bands for broad jumps and uh verticals and the athletes again split up into groups so it allows them to efficiently get done, but there's three to four guys on a band. So if they all go through one after the other, it ensures like two minute rest in between each set. And that's another big hack is to just like try to put athletes in a position where they're forced to rest, um, which has definitely been something big for me that I've learned. Um, from there, we'll 
we spread out on the turf and we did our maximum height uh, vertical jumps and then maximum distance broad jumps. And I talked about this a little yesterday with a tweet, but basically saying like, instead of using boxes, I really started to enjoy um, doing jumps, just standing where I queue them up and load and, and they do it as a team. And I like the benefit of the fact that instead of having to do depth jumps, falling off a box and then box jumps going onto a box, you get the jumping of the max vert and then the landing from the max vert kind of together. So mm -hmm. it's a two birds, one stone kind of thing when you're restricted on time or space. And the same thing with the broad jump. And then after that, um, I'm a big stations guy. So we split the athletes into groups of four to five groups. And like at the end of this day, we put five minutes or four and a half minutes on uh, the clock. And in 20 minutes, they got done um, a couple sets of single arm bench, three sets of kettlebell swings, um, a couple sets of side lunges, and a couple sets of Copenhagen planks. So 30 athletes in the matter of 20 minutes got about 12 sets of strength training exercises done. So it's like the soup, the okay. most efficient way to really go through it. And again, it also provides some insight on my mindset of how I kind of break all this down. So. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really good. What do you yeah. got? Uh, questions wise. I think there were some good ones this week. Yeah, let's do a few questions to finish off. So Cameron Bernard says he runs a seven, eight. Um, but I like this one. I think it's, there's a lot to, 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 teach with this one go ahead yeah so 7840 strong legs squats 350 going into sophomore year he has no idea what he should do to work on it yeah this is a great example of like you know let these things answer these questions for you if you're continuing to get stronger with your legs but you're not noticing your speed improve that kind of usually should be a good indication that you need to do more speed training mm -hmm. so if you're running a 78 and you're lifting and you're squatting 350 Barring that you're like 250 pounds, which I doubt you are, you know, obviously there's a pretty good base of strength and force in your legs. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that would lend me to think that, you know, you can continue to strength train, but if you're trying to improve that seven, eight, there's got to be something that either needs to be improved mechanically or via, um, via input of increase of velocity and power output in your legs. So you got to look at your mechanics. You got to look at your, your acceleration. You know, are you in a good body angle? Are you contacting the ground underneath your body in your first couple strides, especially, um, are you getting quality extension or, if, or are your strides choppy? Um, you know, are you able to make contact through your toe and not have your heel collapse to the floor? Like these are all the big things you want to check on. And then top speed, like, are you getting adequate knee lift? Um, or are you kind of just like, pulling your legs along without much flexion and raising of your, of your knee as you swing your leg through. Um, are you contacting the ground through your heel in front of your body? Or are you contacting it more through the ball of your foot, striking down more underneath your body? Um, are you slumped over or are you taller? So like, look at all these mechanical things. And if you see the things that I'm talking about, aren't where they need to be, you got to start to address them. If all of those things are there and the mechanics are pretty sound, then it's just a matter of this, like, getting more power and speeding things up. So um, a lot of full speed plyometrics, obviously a lot of max speed sprinting a couple days a week. Um, if you want to improve your acceleration, we need to be working on some heavier um, sled sprints in 10, 8, 10 to 12, 15 yard range. Um, you know, doing your flying sprints to expose yourself to top speed uh, contacts, doing longer sprints. And then honestly, like as a baseball player, as much as I preach that the 60 is stupid when it relates to what you should actually be training on to become a better on field baseball player. You know, the matter, the, the fact of the matter is that if that's what you're running at a showcase, the 60 is something where if you 
you know, do all the stuff that I'm talking about, but don't actually run a 60 before you're actually at the event to do it. Um, you're going to go run it and kind of just be hit by a wall because you're going to get past 30 yards and not have been exposed to it in a really long time. And it's going to hit you pretty hard. So I always, you know, advise athletes, if you know, in a month or six weeks or two months from now, you're going to be running the 60. We're going to probably try to sprinkle in like one to two 60s per week before we start the rest of our speed days, just to get you exposed to them. And you'd be really surprised by how much of a difference that can make alone, um, just in terms of your performance. So, uh, what do you think? Did Did I handle that pretty good? Yeah, that was very, that was very helpful for him. I bet. Cool. All right, uh, let's do two more. Okay, coach, I'd love to hear more about this um, communal Google sheet you're using. Do you have any info you no. would mind? Yeah, I'm actually. It's funny. I just opened up my Twitter to just check something real quick, and I actually got another uh, question about that. So this is good. I'm, I want to definitely answer this. Perfect. Yeah. So he's asking if you have any info you wouldn't mind sharing. We've used every app out there. Always seem to come back to paper, but I didn't like it either. Any thoughts you can share would be appreciated. Thanks. Yeah. So we're big Google Sheets people. We run every program we do through Google Sheets and it's free. It's bananas to me that more people aren't utilizing it as a resource. And Mm -hmm. I love it because you can literally just have the athletes download Google Sheets on their phone. And then just you share their program with them through their email and they can go on their phone. Like that's how we run all of our programs through the gym. Nice. Uh, And you remember when you you did remote training with me, like that's how we did it. Yeah. Um, so like barring we have any young kids that need to be like, you know, coached through it with a trainer in a group or something like 85% of our gym is kids that come in and it's on their phone and they go through it. Um, now when it comes to teams, what I do is they're not so much, you know, going on it to look at the program because I'm kind of writing that down because it's one team that I'm coaching through the whole lift. But what I do is I put this sheet together and I have all their names listed on it. And then I also uh, on the Google sheet. So I, I make a tab, all their names are on it with the date for that week. And I write the five to six main movements we are doing in our strength lifts. Um, and they each have their own column. And then across the row for each athlete's name, it fills in their weights. So you would say, Oh, that's a lot for one coach to do. And you're completely right. It is. So what I do is I share the sheet with every single athlete on the team. I put their email in the sheet and they all download Google sheets on their phone. And guess what they do as they go through their lift? Fill it, fill it they, out. They, they put the weights in. Yeah. Yeah. So then, then the next week comes up and I create a new uh, a drop, drop below on the same sheet. I create a new week with all their names and all the blank spaces. And they look they can look back at what they did the previous week and use it as a gauge. And they can put their weights in. It, to me, it works perfectly. They understand it. It's easy. Um, and it's just always been my favorite way of doing it. And that's really all it is. It's pretty simple. Um, that that's literally quite literally all we do when it comes to our bigger teams that want we, that we track weights with. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to our, um, you know, our private training athletes, they all have their own sheets and, you know, we for the, all their main movements of their program, put their weights in, they check, they know what they have to do that day. And for um, our responsible athletes, if let's say I put one eighty five for two on bench and they could do one ninety, they change it to one ninety for that week. So we know when we make the program updates for the week, uh, week after. Nice. So pretty simple google sheets very good tool i would definitely suggest it awesome last one one more yeah yeah gary love the podcast um tony genicor turned me oh yeah Uh, muscles and management alum tony genicor really um you know great guy and a great coach he works out of boston um i believe he actually started uh cressy sports performance with eric cressy back in the day oh Um, nice before he kind of peeled off to do more gen pop stuff but tony's a great guy so yeah go ahead 
Shout out, Tony. Um, any episodes, blogs on peaking young athletes? Say what their training looks like the last two, three weeks. Thank you. Keep up the good work. Yeah. So I, I think my answer to this might not be what you want in the sense of like, I don't really believe in that, especially when we're talking about youth athletes. Yeah. Um, for me, youth athletes, like, I don't really look at anything in their schedule as a start to an end of a season. Like, if they're young enough, you know, we're going to be pushing for gains all year round. So, like, I don't look and say, oh, like, September is the first game of football or first game of hockey. Like, we're going to magically change our training for two weeks going in. With a college athlete, I might do that. And that might be more contrast-based training, which I've talked about. If you just go on my Twitter and hit the search button at the top and just like search contrast training, you'll find a lot of different examples of videos and, and things I talk about with that. Yeah. So that might be something we do. And obviously, as we go through that and we're getting to the final weeks before the season, we're getting more plane-specific and all that kind of stuff. But um, I also believe, like, you don't want to peak, right, when the season starts. You want to just continue, mm-hmm. you know, build up as best you can throughout the year. Uh, but for youth athletes in particular, like I really don't look at things as an in-season versus off-season debate because, you know, we're simply just trying to develop all year round. So when it comes to youth athletes, like there's never really a time where I'm like, oh, we got to peak before the season. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yep. Makes sense. So, like it's it just, it's not, and there's, I've done ton of pot, tons of podcasts on, you know, building programs for youth athletes and all that kind of stuff. So you want to check those out. I would go through the catalog of episodes and see what's up there. Um, but yeah, that's my take on that, which is why I said, I don't think it's going to be the answer he might necessarily want because right. if he is looking to do something, that's not going to give you insight on that. It's just more like, here are my thoughts on it. No. Yeah. I think it's still good. So, um, cool. yeah, I think that's good for this week. Uh, I think we got to a lot, which is awesome. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this one as usual. Uh, we will be back next week. And like I always say, like, I enjoy when you guys post these on your story, if there's things that you, you know, enjoy and you want to shout out. Um, you know, it helps grow the show and keep hitting my DM with questions. It's obviously great to have those to answer on the show each week. And, uh, yeah, keep listening, subscribe, rate it, share it, you know, help spread the word. Um, but we, we always appreciate it. Mike, thank you as always. Yes, sir. Thank you. You got it. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. We'll talk to you next week. Peace. Thank you for listening to another episode of muscles and management brought to you by challenger strength. I'm your host, Jerry DiFilippo, signing off from the show that's changing how we view sports performance, training, and business.